week we started a brand new series called Summer Fire. Who's enjoyed the summer that we've already had? I don't know if it's, it seems to be sort of dwindling away. So if you pray in this place, please pray that it comes back again because I'm not finished with summer yet. So we started a brand new series called Summer Fire last week. And if you weren't here, we had Pastor Leon Evans from Birmingham and he brought an incredible word called Dare to Hope. And if I could summarize it, it would be this. Throughout everything that you go through, dare to hope that there is more. And there's an incredible story that he told about how he got locked in the bathroom in Charles de Gaulle Airport. So if you missed it last week, you can find last week's message and all our other messages on our, web, on our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Church IRL. You do not want to miss that story. That story alone, he tells two incredible stories. If you listen to it for nothing else, Find out those two stories because they are incredible. But today is week two of our brand new series, Summer Fire, and we're titling this message, The Problem with Convenience. The Problem with Convenience. And you can follow along on the app, the Version Bible app. There's a QR code right there. You can scan it. It will bring you to my notes, and you can follow along on the notes. You can read the notes during the week. But if you scan that QR code, It'll take you to the Version Bible app, and on that, you can select Lighthouse to be your church. So if Lighthouse is your church, you can select that. And every week, we send one push notification, and that notification is the Sunday message, all that notes on a Sunday morning. So you don't have to go into your app. You can just click the, the push notification, and it's all done for you. We want to make life simple for you. So scan the QR code. You can select it as my church or just read the notes. For today. But as I begin, I want to ask this question. Have you ever taken a shortcut that wasn't? Anyone taken a shortcut that just ended up not being a shortcut? We've all been there. We've all been driving. And we thought, Do you know what? I know how to get around this traffic. I know a quicker way. But everyone seemed to have the same idea. And they went the other way. So what you thought was a shortcut never ended up being a shortcut. I think men think they rule the road, and they think they know all the shortcuts made. Is that right, wives, women out there? Men think that they own the road. We are always. What's worse is when you suggest to a friend, go down this road, or try this way, and then it ends up being worse than the original road. That's even worse. Or maybe you've tried to be convenient and buy something online. Most of the time, 
Buy online. It's grand. But there's that dreaded word, the return. The return. Sometimes it just doesn't work or it's broken, doesn't fit, whatever. And you need to leave it back. So you put it in the bag and they're really helpful. They give you the label, but they're stopped doing that now because of the trees. But bring the labels back. Then they open it, they lip, and it sits at the front door. And we tell each other, this needs to go to the post office. Yep, no problem, I'll leave it back in there. Did you, no. Did you, uh, and it's still sitting at the front door every day, day after day. And none of us end up bringing it to the post office. So it ends up landing in the house. It's too late to get a refund. So then we decide to be generous and give it to someone. Because yeah. we can't get a refund anyway. And many people have received gifts from us because we haven't returned them from online. Or for all the men out there, we have a DIY story, don't we? We think our way is the best way. I know a quicker way to build this product. I don't need all those drawings and the wording. I know my way. So you go for it, and then you realize that maybe you've missed a step, and that doesn't fit into there, and this doesn't work. Or even worse, you finish the product, and there's some spare parts. And you try and tell yourself, oh, they've just given us spare parts. They, they're spare. They're not needed. But in reality, you know that you went off your brain and not the instructions, and those aren't spare parts, but they're actually needed for the product. Or I have a story. Me and Pastor Sam from Navin went to Dublin one day, and Pastor Sam says, there's this amazing barbecue place in Dublin. I was like, grand, no problem. He's went, so I'll follow you, Sam. Take me wherever you want to. And I'm so thankful that this barbecue place slow-cooked their food because he did not take us the quickest way to that place. And we only discovered that when we were leaving. It took us five minutes to get back to the car, but it took us 20 minutes to get to the restaurant. He took us everywhere but the restaurant. And maybe you resonate with some of those stories, driving DIY or eating with Pastor Sam is an experience you should try someday. But we all have a story about convenience because our culture is obsessed with convenience. We all want things to be convenient all the time, everywhere. And if we could define convenience, it is this. A thing that contributes to an easy and effortless way of life. Now, if you wanted to describe life, two ways that we would love life to be is easy and effortless. Does anyone want an easy and effortless life? I think our natural inclination is to have a life that is easy and effortlessly. That's why we want convenience. Or we can put it another way. Convenience is doing the least amount possible and expecting the best possible outcomes. We put in the little amount of work. If I can get away with just doing this much, and I want all the results. But convenience doesn't work that way. There's a promise. The promise that convenience, it will cost less and you will have more. This is what Convenience tries to promise us that you will, it will cost you less and have more. But in the end, you will have less and it will cost more. I'm sure you've been there. You think, this is going to be convenient. It's going to be easy. But it actually ends up with you having less, more. Convenience seems so great on the outside. It promises so much. You'll get there quicker. It will be easier. It will save you money. It promises so much on the outside, but actually, it delivers little. You got there maybe quicker, maybe easier, but there was a cost to it. And what cost 
does convenience cost? And convenience reduces our life to being essentially pointless. That is the cost of convenience. It reduces our lives to essentially pointless because we just float through life looking to find the easiest way through, getting the easiest way possible. We want it to be easy and effortless, so we don't put effort in. We follow the path of least resistance, and then it reduces our lives to being essentially pointless because we're just drifting through. And all of us in here, we're all the same. The gravitational pull of the human heart is towards convenience. Our natural inclination is, I want this to be easy and effortless. I want this to be convenient. And we know this all the time. We live this out, this reality out all the time. Maybe you naturally want to relax. We all want to relax, or we can work out. Our heart says one thing, and I know it's wanting to relax. Or maybe you want to cheat as opposed to studying for the test. We want what's easy. Or rather, we, rather, we would rather give in than put up with difficult situations. We would rather keep our hard-earned cash than give it away. And we all, our heart goes towards convenience. We would all rather convenience than sacrifice. This is the battle that keeps going on. We're, there's a gravitational pull towards convenience, but we need to fight that battle. So there's relaxing. We all want to relax, but it's a battle to work out. It's a battle to do these things. These things are natural, but it's hard to do these things and sacrifice. So I want to ask a question today. How do we defy the gravitational pull of convenience? Because we all have it. We all have this gravitational pull towards convenience. So the question we want to ask, how do we defy it? How do we go against this gravitational pull? And I believe we find this answer in the Bible. And if you're not a Christ follower today, I want you to listen in. This might not be all for you. This might not all apply to you, but I want you to listen in because this is going to be helpful for you as well. Because I think all this is found in the Bible. And we're going to read a book in the Bible called Romans. And it's wrote by a man called Paul. And I love the Bible. The Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit, inspired by God, but it was written by men who worked and lived and breathed just like us. They had their own issues as well. So Paul was a man with his own issues, just like us. And Paul got in with the wrong crowd, and he persecuted Christians, and he hated them. He wanted to kill them, and he did kill them, and he was the leader of that. He, that was the pattern in his life. He killed Christians and went after Christians. And then at one moment in life, he discovered God and his life turned upside down. And then he put himself in the firing line because he decided, I don't want a convenient life. I want to sacrifice. So he put himself in the firing line time after time after time. And this book in Romans is a book that Paul writes to a group of churches, a church in Rome. I would love to go to Rome. And Paul writes a letter to this church in Rome, a little bit like ours, and he's telling them all this amazing stuff about God. And he's asking, he's answering questions that they are asking. Like, what does it mean that God sent Jesus? Or what does it mean to have faith? And it's packed, Romans is packed with loads of principles and theology and doctrine. So if you're into that stuch read the book of Romans. 
But we're going to look at the last few chapters. We're going to look at the chapter 12 and two verses, and we're going to drill down into this and see how we can defy this gravitational pull. So let's read these two verses together. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in these two verses, we see four characteristics of what a life of sacrifice could look like and how we can defy the gravitational pull of convenience. So we're going to look back in first one, and first one says this, therefore, and we'll pause there. It says, therefore, if you want to know what therefore is therefore, you need to read the first 11 chapters of Romans. It is packed with principles, packed with doctrine, packed with all the meaty stuff that all the Christians love to read. So it's all in there. You can read it. First chapter 1 to 11. So what is therefore, therefore? The first 11 verses, or the first 11 chapters, are all about doctrine and the meaty stuff. And then this is the flip. In verse 12, it moves from principles to practical. So what Paul is saying, therefore, all what has happened before, what I'm going to say here is a flip. I want this to turn from head knowledge to something that we actually live out, and it's practical in our life. So if you want to know what therefore is therefore, read the first 11 chapters of Romans. And he goes on, he says, I urge you, I beg with you, I plead with you, please do it. He's begging us. He's like, listen, Rome, come on. You can do this. I urge you. He goes on, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. What does that mean, in view of God's mercy? What Paul's about to ask us to do, he's asking us to see it through the lens of God's mercy. That's the lens that he wants us to view it through. If I said right now, could someone go to Starbucks for me and get me a caramel frappuccino with no coffee? Because I don't like coffee. So I've put that request out. It's in the room. You don't need to rush. Not all at once. So I put that request out, and you're seeing it through the lens of convenience. Someone else will do it. Or he's not actually being serious about that. Or I'll wait and see if someone else will do it. So I've put that request out. For all you know, I could be deadly serious. I'm parched. I really need that caramel frappuccino. But you've seen that through the lens of convenience. But if I bought you a McDonald's breakfast this morning, and I said, I need a caramel frappuccino with no coffee, you would view that through a different lens because you've experienced my generosity. You've experienced my kindness. So when I put an, a question out, you're going to see it through a different lens because I've been kind to you. I've been generous to you. So in this very moment, someone's going to run out and give me a caramel frappuccino. No, they didn't. I tried. I wrote it into my notes, and I tried. Addy's leaving. Oh, stop it. There's always one. I didn't buy. I should do this more often. This is great. Make sure you listen to the part you've missed on YouTube. So we see it through a different lens. We'll see it through the lens of, we want to see it through the lens of 
convenience. Someone else will do it. But if I'm generous to you, you see it through a different lens. So what Paul's going to ask us here, he wants us to see it through the lens of God's mercy. And he goes on to say, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, time out. No one's going to die. There's going to be no sacrifices. There's going to be no blood. You don't have to look at your friend that invited you to church this week. Is this the week you invited me to church? The day that someone's going to be sacrificed in church? Calm down. No one is going to be sacrificed today. This is a great Sunday to be at church. But what does it mean to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice? Well, the root word in Greek literally means killing, and it's a deliberate paradox. So living and sacrifice. For something to be sacrificed is it to be dead, to kill it. So this paradox is to be a living sacrifice. So we have to live in this paradox of being alive, but continually sacrificing, to continually go onto the altar, giving up things that hold us back from God. We live in this paradox of being alive, but also sacrificing. And this term living sacrifice isn't a spiritual term. We know it. We know what sacrifice means in marriage. The key to healthy marriage is asking, how can I love, serve, and sacrifice for you? We know what it means to sacrifice. We don't always get our way in marriage. Does anyone always get their way in marriage? No. I was going to join your connect group if you did. But we all know that we have to sacrifice in marriage. And it's not just the men. It's not just the women. It's both of us. We sacrifice for each other. Or maybe you're in a team sport. You know what it means to sacrifice, to put your body on the line for your team. You will do whatever it takes for your team to win. You know what it means to sacrifice. Or you know what it means to sacrifice as a parent. You know all those sleepless nights. You know all the tantrums in the toy shop, and I'll stop there in case you start crying and all these memories keep flooding back. But you know what it means to sacrifice as a parent. You give your all to your kids. You know what it means to be a living sacrifice. And those early stages of being a parent, I've heard all about it. It really feels like you're a living sacrifice. You're living, but you feel like you're dead. And many of us have been in that point. But parents are incredible. We love our parents. It's here for all the parents in Lighthouse Church. We love each and every one of you. We salute you. It is hard work. When I get to sleep in and there's no kids annoying me, I will be thinking of you. But we know what it means to sacrifice. We know what it means to be a living sacrifice. Think about a time that you've sacrificed yourself. I've sacrificed to be here. Me and my wife, Anna, Grew up in Belfast. We had a good, steady job, decent income. We lived a kilometer away from my parents. They looked after us. They were fantastic. I grew up in the church that I grew up in. I was there for 26 years. I loved it. We had a group of friends, and we owned a house. And in all that, God said, move. So we gave up the jobs. We gave up the house that we owned. We gave up the church that I grew up in for 26 years. We gave up being close to family because God said, go. We sacrificed to be here. I moved somewhere that has a house in crisis. Last year, it was actually one year ago today, me and Anna were homeless for four months. They called us the homeless homeowners. We own a house in Belfast. 
Yet we were here and we didn't have a house. But God is telling us, stay here. So we decided to stay here. We know what it is to sacrifice. And maybe on our today, like today, when we're thinking about fathers, I can remember the sacrifices that my father has made. And my, I have two siblings, so there's three kids. My dad sacrificed to bring up all three of us. He let my mom bring us up. He worked overtime and he worked the night shift. But what I remember from my dad is that he was always there. Even though he worked the night shift, even though he had to work overtime and he had to sacrifice what he had all to give me a leg forward in life. And he always says this phrase. He says, I went without a takeaway so you could have a holiday. He gave up the simple pleasures of at the end of the week, finishing your job, sitting down for a Chinese meal. And he said, when you were young, we went without a takeaway so that you could have a holiday. He gave up the simple pleasures in life so that we could have a leg forward. And I can honestly say, without the sacrifice of my parents, I would not be here today. I would not own that house. I would not be as far forward as I am without the love and the sacrifice of my parents. And on a day like Father's Day, I honor my father for the sacrifice that I see him make and has always made in my life. But as Lavi's already said, today might be a weird day for you. Father's Day brings up different emotions. I had a fantastic father who sacrificed and gave his all for me, and he still does. If he has an inkling that I want what he has on his plate, he will still force me to eat it off his plate. If I look at it with a side eye, and he's like, no, you can take it. Like, he's just sacrificed. Just take it. Keep going. And he does it all the time. But if you don't have that experience, I want you to know that there's a heavenly father who has sacrificed for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He knows you. He loves you. And he died to get to know you. He moved heaven and earth to know you. To know you. To love you. To care for you. So I don't know what emotions are stirring up today on Father's Day, but you have a heavenly father that loves you. But I know of sacrifices I've made, sacrifices that my father has made. But I know some sacrifices that, is it a sacrifice? I don't know. I've sacrificially given clothes to my friend. Oh, I like those. Here, you can have it. I've sacrificed my clothes to them. And they think, wow, he's so generous. He sacrificed my clothes. But he doesn't know that they don't fit me anymore. And they were going in the bin anyway. So he thought it was a sacrifice, but it was actually convenient for me. And we do it all the time. Maybe you're in an event. Oh, look at this. This is what friends are for. I'll take, I'll take one gulp and you can have it. Keep it for me after I'm parched. I will see you through a brand new lens today. That's what friends are for. How can we know if what we offer is convenient or sacrificial. How do we know that? Maybe you've had an event on and you've had to skip a friend's birthday, but the event got cancelled and you turn up to the friend's birthday. I'm here. Check me out. I moved the event and now I'm at your birthday. But little do they know that the event got cancelled and you had, you had no other plans. So you showed up to the party anyway. And they think it's a sacrifice, but it's actually convenient. Maybe you're a Christ follower in here and you give God your Sundays. 
but you won't give him the rest of the week. Maybe you say, God, I'll serve you on mission. I'll give you a week of my life and I'll serve, but you won't live on mission the other 51 weeks of the year. Is it a sacrifice or is it convenient? It looks like a sacrifice. You're here every single Sunday. You're there on the mission trip, but is it a sacrifice or is it convenient? What is it in your life? I want to challenge you today. Is it convenient or sacrificial? And as I said before, there's four characteristics of what it looks like to defy the gravitational pull of convenience and become a living sacrifice. So firstly, pleasing. Is our sacrifice pleasing? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It says holy and pleasing to God. Do you know, sacrifices are always messy. This comes from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it was messy. If we were an Old Testament church, we would have animals up in here that would be cut in half, there would be blood, there would be carcasses, and Kevin would pass out. <laughs> Kevin's a vegan. And it would be messy. It would be crazy up in here. But because we sacrifice it, doesn't mean it's going to be accepted. In the Old Testament, there was requirements for a sacrifice to be accepted. And we know this. Because have you ever gotten a steak wasn't to your liking? Maybe you're a medium, well, well-done person, and you have been given a steak that is still moving. Maybe you've experienced that, where if you give it CPR, that thing would come back to life. <laughs> Just because the steak was delivered to you doesn't mean that it's pleasing to you. And it's the same as sacrifice. Just because a sacrifice is delivered doesn't mean it's pleasing and accepting. I'm a, I'm a raw guy. Is there any crazy people that take their steak blue? No, it just laughs. <laughs> that's, no, that's ridiculous. We wouldn't go that far. But we know what it is to be given something and it not to be pleasing. And it's the same as our sacrifice. Is it sacrificial or is it convenient? The phrase that Paul uses, it says, holy and pleasing to God. Holy means that our sacrifice should be exclusive. Our sacrifice should be just for him. And we know this idea from marriage. If it's not exclusive, it's not a relationship. If it's not exclusive, it's not a relationship. A relationship is between two people. So when we are holy, when our sacrifice is holy, it is exclusive. It's only for God. And there's some Christ followers, and we as Christ followers are called to be in the world, but not off the world. So it's a tight balance that we have to be in the world, but not off the world. But there's some Christ followers, not in this room, they're in other churches, and they live with a foot in each camp. They're not exclusive. They're off the world, and they're in the world. They're trying to, they're trying to be inclusive. They're trying to, oh, I want this part, but I also want this part. But God says your sacrifice is to be holy and pleasing. It should be exclusive only for him. And how do we know if it's pleasing to God? If it's pleasing to you and to, not to God, it's convenient. If it's pleasing to God and not to you, it's a sacrifice. Or you can put it like this. I'm giving up salads and cocktails. Check me out. Aren't I so sacrificial? I'm giving it my all. I'm giving up salads and cocktails forever. I don't like either of those things. 
So when if it's not pleasing to me, it's not a sacrifice. But if you ask me to sacrifice sweets and chocolate, that's a different story. I like them a little too much. So is it convenient or is it a sacrifice? And we know what it is to sacrifice to please someone. We know what it is to sacrifice to please a friend. Now, I hate sushi, not a fan. But if my friend said, hey, we're going to Musashi after service, I would sacrifice my opinion, my likes, my thoughts, and go with them because they've asked me to go. So I sacrifice to please a friend. If I was choosing, I would go somewhere else. But I'm trying to please my friend, so I've sacrificed my opinion for them. Or we know what it means to sacrifice to please your wife. We sit down at the end of the week. We grab the remote. The wife comes in. So we sacrifice the remote to the wife. And instead of watching that action movie that we've been waiting for, we end up watching a rom-com. We have all been there. That, we know what it is to sacrifice to, as a friend or even in a relationship, what it means to have a pleasing sacrifice. So our sacrifice is pleasing. Secondly, is our sacrifice proper? Paul says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This word proper in Greek is logikos. Logikos. I practice this for hours. Logikos. I'll, I'll move on. I'll be here all day. But this is our word that we use in English called logical. So this is our logical response of what God has done for us. So if it's our logical response of what God has done for us, what has God done for us? So this morning I want to tell you some good news. This is the gospel. This is some good news for you. This is what God has done for you. God created everything. He created the heavens and the earth. And then Adam and Eve brought sin into the world. And sin separated us from God. It put a barrier in the way. And men tried to break that barrier but couldn't do it in their own strength. So God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live, breathe, and work like us on this earth. And he was here. And he sacrificed his life for us. He gave his all for us. And he took the sin upon him and that broke the barrier of sin so that we could have a relationship with Jesus. But he wasn't just killed on a cross and buried, but he resurrected, he came back to life and he lives again today. He created everything, sin was a barrier. He had to send Jesus. Jesus sacrificed himself and Jesus lives today and he sends us his Holy Spirit and we have power to live our lives today. This is good news. Doesn't sound like it's good news in the room. This is good news. This is what God has done for each and every one of us. This is the lens that Paul wants us to view this through. If we know that God gave everything to us, our response is to give everything to him. This is, the this is the lens Paul wants us to view this through. This is everything God's done for you. He gave his all. He sacrificed for you. And he wants you to give everything to him. And would I sacrifice for someone I don't know? I don't know. Would I give up my dreams for a stranger? I don't know. But would I give up my dad if he needed it? Yeah. Why? Because I've understood 
his love and I've experienced it through my life. It's a different lens. When I've experienced his love, it's through a different lens. And we're experiencing that now. My granddad has dementia and my dad is sacrificing to look after him. Why? Because he's experienced the love of his father. It's a different lens. We would give it all up for someone who has sacrificed for us. And there's incredible people on this earth, a bit like you, and one such person gave up their dreams and everything for people that they did not know. And one of those people is Mother Teresa, and she was asked the question, what is sacrifice? And Mother Teresa said, a sacrifice to be real must cost, must hurt, and must empty ourselves. Give yourself fully to God. He will use you to accomplish great things on the condition that you believe much more in his love than in your weakness. Sacrifice must cost. It must hurt. It must be empty. Now, if you're not a Christ follower in here, this is not an obligation for you. You might be thinking, this is heavy stuff. I'm glad I'm not involved with this. But actually, you know what it's like for something to cost and hurt and empty yourselves. Maybe you got engaged. That's going to cost you some money. When you start that relationship, you'll soon realize that you don't know everything and you're going to be hurt. And in that relationship, you must empty yourself for that person. So you might think, this is deep, this is heavy, but this is still helpful for you. You're not obligated to live as a sacrifice to God, but we do it as a response of what God has done for us. So how can we make a logical or proper sacrifice? How can we do it? I think we overcomplicate this. If we join a club, whether it's a sports team or a dance club, the logical sacrifice is that it's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us money. It's going to cost us maybe we have to look at our dad, our rest, or we need to work out. It's logical. It just makes sense. If I join a football team, the logical thing is I'm going to pay for this. I'm going to have to give this my time. It just makes sense. It's logical. So how can we make a logical sacrifice for God? I've said it already. He gave us all of him, so we should give him all of us. It's logical. It's proper. So is our sacrifice pleasing? Is it proper? And thirdly, is there a pattern? Paul says this in verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Is there a pattern? Maybe you're a Christ follower, and it used to be a pattern, but you fell out of this pattern. Maybe you used to go to God all the time, but you prayed and you read and you sowed and you surrendered. But actually, it's not a, a pattern anymore. It's a one-off. But as living sacrifices, Paul is asking us to be fully alive, but yet continually die to self. To continually go to the altar and sacrifice things that are holding us back from living our extraordinary purpose. And there's a problem with living sacrifices because... They keep getting off the altar. They keep escaping. We say, I'm going to be a living sacrifice. And we sit on the altar. And then the next day, ah, it's not convenient anymore. So we get off the altar. And we just have to keep going back and back again to the altar. A decision to sacrifice once is easy in a moment. But it's inconvenient when it requires us to do it continually. You know this if you go to the gym. It's easy to work out once. But it's difficult to go to the gym weekly. Amen. It's easy to study for one test. It's difficult to study all year for the leaving cert. 
It's easy to hold your tongue in one moment. But when that person who infuriates you sits beside you at work, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, that is difficult. It's easy to hold your tongue in a moment, but it's difficult when it comes a pattern. Or as Christ followers, it's easy to read the Bible and pray once. Great, that's me done. Or Jesus, thank you, amen. It's easy to do that once, but it becomes difficult when we make that a pattern. God wants us to have a daily devotion. And we see some patterns in Paul's life. Paul was not a Christ follower, hated Christians. And the pattern of his life was he killed Christians. And I'm sure he was angry. I'm sure he was bitter. So as soon as he discovered Jesus, his life got turned upside down. But I'm sure he still had to work through some of those things. He had to work through that anger. He had to work through some issues. So he had to live this out. He had to live this pattern of going to God daily. And he uses this phrase in the first. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a continual thing. It's a renewal. It's not a, it's done. It's a renewal of our mind. It's a thing that we do daily. If you're a Christ follower, God isn't looking for a Sunday sacrifice. He's looking for daily devotion. And I want to challenge you today. If you've kept your faith to a Sunday, you're missing out. God has so much more planned for you. It's convenient to keep it to a Sunday, but God has so much more for you. He wants to use you in your schools, in your college, in your work, with your family, to show them the love that God has for them through your life. He wants to live through you by faith daily devotion. Not a Sunday sacrifice, which is convenient, but daily devotion. But if you're not a Christ follower, what's the the deal? What healthy habits, what healthy patterns can you have in your life? This can still apply to you. It's healthy to have patterns in your life. As Christ followers, we're going to the altar daily. We're sacrificing for God. But for all of us, what's a healthy pattern that you have in your life? Do you give your kids the same bedtime every day to help them? That's a good routine. To be thankful daily is a great routine. A weekly date night to work out. They are great patterns to have in our lives. But we know that doing things once is easy, but it's more difficult to create a pattern. So I want to ask you the question, what pattern can I start this week? What pattern can you start this week? So we've got into this pattern of a pleasing worship and proper, a proper sacrifice and a pleasing sacrifice. And once we do that in a pattern, that leads us to number four, which is our purpose. It says in verse two, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Another way to say is good, pleasing, and perfect will is his purpose. God has a purpose for you. And maybe throughout this whole message, you've been thinking, what have I got to offer? You're saying to sacrifice, to give my all, but you're thinking, what have I got to offer? Me? If he knew me, he knows that I don't have anything to offer. Just plain old me. But God has an extraordinary purpose for your life. You're made on purpose for purpose. God has a purpose in your life. What have I got to offer? You've got all your life to offer God. And it's this balance that we face. A life of convenience 
is essentially pointless. A life of sacrifice is extraordinarily purposeful. When we drift through life, when we're finding the easiest way to get through life, when we're finding the path of least resistance, convenience basically means we're essentially pointless. Oh, there's no point. I'll just see where life takes me. But if we live a life of sacrifice, we live in his extraordinary purpose. We discover his purpose for our life, which is bigger and grander than anything we could ever ask, think, or imagine. So here's four practical ways of how to defy the gravitational pull of convenience. Because our, our sacrifice could be great. It could be pleasing. It could be proper. We could have a great pattern in our life. And we know our purpose. But how do we, how do we defy this gravitational pull? Because it's always going to be pulling us. And it's four things. Firstly, we can speak. It costs us something to speak up. In this world, there's so much negativity and people are bringing people down. And Twitter and social media and everything that's happening is bringing people down. But we should bring life-giving words. We should speak out. And sometimes that costs us something to speak out. It will cost you something. And we honor not because they are honorable, but because we are honoring. It will cost you something to speak up. But it will defy the gravitational pull of convenience. One thing I want to challenge you with today is to phone your father. Speak to him. Maybe that's easy for you. My dad normally phones me at midday every single day. How's my son? How's it going? Love you. See you later. Bye. Every day around 12 and 1 o'clock when he's getting his lunch, he will phone me. So for me to phone my dad might not be a big thing. But for you, it's, maybe it's going to cost you. Maybe it's going to cost you your pride. Maybe you said, I'm, I'm not going to speak to him again. Maybe it's going to cost you your pride. Maybe it's just going to cost you to pick up the phone because phones aren't free. It's going to cost you. And it's, it could be a little bit embarrassing. If I phone my dad and say, yo, you're great. I'm thankful for you. It's a little bit weird, a little bit awkward. It's going to cost me something. So I want you to speak up, to defy the gravitational pull of convenience and phone your father today. Secondly, how can we defy the gravitational pull? We can serve. If you've ever been to America, they have a massive tipping culture. If you're in a restaurant or you're in a shop, they, you need to tip. They will go above and beyond. They will go to the ends of the earth. They will do whatever it takes all for that dollar bill. They will do whatever it takes to get that tip. But this church, Lighthouse Church, is built on the sacrifice of many people. Do you know we have people turn up early in the morning? They leave after you go. They practice during the week. They learn new skills during the week. And they serve. They'll go above and beyond. They'll do whatever it takes, but not for a tip just to serve you and to serve God. So the tipping system, they'll do whatever it takes to get that dollar bill. But the dream team in this church serve because they've understood this principle. Sacrifice is a life of surrender which is expressed in service. If it wasn't for our dream team today, none of this would be possible. Let's hear it for our dream team. Aren't they incredible? Serving go on doing whatever it takes to serve. 
fish, but it's a sacrifice to be selfless. I'm going to get up early today. I'm going to have endless amounts of stuff come to my house. I'm going to store stuff there. I'm going to practice every week. I'm going to learn my craft. They're being selfless because they know that it's a sacrifice. To be convenient is selfish, and we're naturally selfish. We all want what's best for us. But to defy that gravitational pull is to serve, is to be selfless. So the question today is, how can I serve today? How can you serve? You can join one of our teams. That would be great with so many teams. But you can hold the door open for someone today. You can just, there's community events that you can join and you can serve them. You can make today the best Father's Day possible. You can serve them well. You can make them their tea. You can give them the remote today. You can massage their feet. You can serve their father today. But the question is, how can I serve today? How can you serve today? Because it makes us go from selfish to selfless, which is a sacrifice. Thirdly, how can we defy the gravitational pull we sow? British Prime Minister says this, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but a life by what we give. And I get it. You work hard. You do the overtime. You do the hard graft. And now I'm telling you to give it away. But what about my family? I need to serve my family. I want the best for them. I want what's for them. And I get it. I understand you've got bills to pay. But the gravitational pull is always towards self. But how can you sow today? What about my family? We, ne- we didn't have loads growing up by any stretch of imagination. But one thing that my parents always did was be generous. They always gave above and beyond. Even when costs were low, even when we couldn't afford it, they always were generous. And they sowed. And that taught me no matter the income, you can sow today. And maybe you're not a Christ follower and you're getting a bit itchy. This bit is for the Christ follower. And if you call Lighthouse home and you are a Christ follower, do you sow into church? The question for you today isn't whether or not to give, but how much should I give? That's between you and God. God wants you to partner with him and sow into his church. This isn't a question between me and you. This is between you and God. And it's not whether or not to give, but it's how much should I give? You need to start today because it's easy to be selfish. It's easy. The gravitational pull is towards convenience. What if this bill comes up? What if this happens? And we want convenience. So we speak to defy the gravitational pull. We serve. We sow. And lastly, we surrender. We give our all to God. British, British missionary C.T. Stodd says this, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. You know the gospel I told you today. God died for you. So if he died for me, then nothing that I can sacrifice can ever be too great for him. We need to surrender our life to him. Everything, every aspect, he wants it all. 
Eugene Peterson paraphrased these verses in this way, and he says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your every, not the big parts, your everyday, ordinary life. He loves the big bits. He loves to celebrate. He loves the parties. But take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. It's not very eventful. You're eating. Don't look good when I eat. You're going to work, the mundane. And you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. God wants you to surrender all to Him. You're eating, sleeping, going to work, everyday life. Surrender it to Him. God wants it all. He wants your job. He wants to work through you in your job. He wants your relationships. He wants your past, your present, your future. He wants those bits that you don't like about yourself. That bit that you try and hide, that part of the past that you're not proud of, God wants it. God can use it. God can redeem it. God wants your whole entire being. And there's a promise to convenience. And it's this, the promise that it will cost more. We're not saying this is easy. It will cost more. And in having less, you will have more. The promise that it will cost more, and in having less, you will have more. How does that work? Only God. When you give it all to God, it suddenly makes sense. Because He's an extraordinary purpose for you. This doesn't make sense on our own. But God has an extraordinary purpose for you. And He wants you to live it out in your job, in your relationships, your past, present, and future, those bits that you're ashamed of. He wants it all. Everyday, ordinary life. So as we speak, as we serve, as we sow, and as we surrender, we defy the gravitational pull. We defy the gravitational pull as we do these four things. And I want to highlight our cup holder today. In your cup holder, you will find our next steps card. I would love if each and every one of us could pull out the Next Steps card right now. You will find one of these in your cup holder. You'll also find a pen there as well. So as we do these things, we defy the gravitational pull and we move towards a life of sacrifice. So in this moment, it's just for you. This Next Steps card, I would love if you would fill it out right now. We can, the four characteristics of how we can defy that gravitational pull can be found in this card. Yes, there's some information that we would love from you, but the most important bit is the decision that you're gonna make today. Are you gonna speak? Are you gonna speak up when it's difficult? Are you gonna speak when it's hard and to defy that gravitational pull to be silent, to be convenient? I don't wanna speak up for other people. Maybe you need, want to speak to someone today. There's an option there. I need to talk. Maybe you just need to talk some things through with our Next Steps team. Maybe today the challenge is you need to talk to your father. Maybe you haven't spoken to him in a while. 
how can you speak today? Or maybe you want to serve today. On this box, there's a the box to tick, and it says, I want to join a team. We have a variety of teams in this place. We have a band that play instruments, so if that's you, fantastic. There's a production team, if you like lights and sound and AV. We have a amazing kids team that run every week in the other two screens that we have. We have a welcome team that have the biggest smiles on their faces. They do all the hard work in this place. We also have a next steps team that just get to talk to people. There is a space for you on our team. So if that's you, you can say, I want to serve today. Maybe you've been here a while. How do I get involved? Tick the box. Talk to our team. What about sewing today? I've thrown out that challenge for you today. If you're a Christ follower and you call this place home, start sewing today. I don't have my wallet with me. At the end, Anna's going to give us ways that we can give online. I don't have online set up. I've only got cash on me. If you have a euro on you, start giving today. We always go towards convenience. How can you sow today? In your cup holder, you will find a giving envelope. Why not take it out and start sowing today? Or be generous today. If you don't feel like partnering with us, if you think, nah, my thoughts don't align with you, that's okay. We don't want any pressure on you to give to us, give to church. But please be generous today. Whether it's buying a meal for someone, chatting to someone on the street, be generous and start sowing today. And lastly, surrender. Maybe today is the day you surrender and give your life to God. Maybe you've been on a journey. Maybe you've said, mm, today's maybe the day. No. God wants your all. Maybe you think you need to know it all. Maybe you think you need to have life together. God wants all of you. Even the parts that you want to give him, God wants it all. So there's a decision on this card. I'm committing my life to Christ today. Maybe that's you that you want to give your life to Jesus or you are a Christ follower already, and going to the altar and being a living sacrifice hasn't been a routine and a pattern in your life. Maybe you say, I want to recommit my life to Jesus today. I used to go to the altar. I used to sacrifice for God, but I haven't done it in a while. It's not a pattern in my life. Renew your commitment to Christ. Surrender to Him. So as you take time now to fill out those cards, Hopefully you've filled them out. Let's all stand. I'm going to pray over each of these cards that you've filled in already. And at the end of the service, there's a box at the bottom. You can put it in our box. Or speak to our Next Steps team. Give them your card. They would love to connect with you. So what are you going to do today to defy the gravitational pull of convenience? Are you going to speak? Are you going to serve?